Well, we're honored and privileged to have our dear brother Norm here from Dallas, Oregon, and we're also honored and privileged to have our dear friend Jean-Claude Sule. I always no Sulo. <laughs> I always say it. You know, it's the Canadian French pronunciation. That's what we have to say. Okay. <laughs> he was a missionary from France to Africa. And uh, it's been a great blessing to get to know him and in Windy, and we're we're very very blessed to have him here. And I know you've all known him for years. You've supported him in the work for years, and uh, I know how much of a blessing he is to all of us. So, Brother Jean Claude, come and preach Christ to us. Once again, it's good to be here together, and especially to be here around the Word of God. And uh, I will ask you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53, and we will start reading at verse 1 again. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form of comeliness. And when we see him, There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. And this is the word of God. Uh, As I was walking uh, earlier on to this chapel with this tall fellow from Oregon, 
I heard that uh, something about depravity, and uh, yes, yes, sinfulness was good, but depravity, and I, I kind of sensed that uh, I was kind of pulled up uh, as a Frenchman that really I should have used the word depravity yesterday. But then um, that would be a problem because uh, talking about the gospel in three words. So if I had used depravity yesterday, maybe today I should use the word decision. And then tomorrow I probably would have to speak about damnation. So security, um, sinfulness was much better for me because today we're going to look at substitution. And this is a gospel word. Gospel word. The second word we want to see, which summarizes the gospel of salvation by grace and grace alone, by pure grace, substitution. And this may be a word which uh, will seem difficult to some. Um, if you go out in the street and you use the word substitution, uh, you may feel that you're talking kind of Hebrew or Greek or whatever. Although, um, if I'm not mistaken, when you watch, I know it's not very uh, popular here, but a soccer match or the World Cup or as recently the African Soccer uh, Cup, um, you will find that uh, they explain to you uh, something about the countries uh, coming uh, onto the field and then there will be always uh, the uh, kind of formation, the, the team, uh, whatever. Uh, I'm not very sporty, as you can see. And then there will always be a little rectangle. Generally, it's on the bottom right-hand side. And that uh, rectangle gives you the substitutes. And that is this word. That is this word. Um, <clears throat> for others, this word... Uh, may seem so familiar that actually it, does, it doesn't grip us. It doesn't have teeth. So the substitute is the one who takes the place of another. And we need to remind ourselves that. We're not talking about a religious word. We're talking about a word which is even used in the world of sport. The idea which is behind this word, the power of this word, is at the very heart of the gospel, at the very heart of the message of salvation of God, salvation from God. And this is uh, precisely at this very point that men often fall into uh, error. Um, People are not saved because they try to save themselves. It's not that they lack efforts and uh, uh, cleverness and so on, but that they have too many. Too many. They push aside the substitute, the one who replaces, and yet he's the only one who can bring salvation. It's the only one. And this is why there is so much perdition. I know that there is a purpose 
from God. But um, men try to save themselves and they're so busy that actually they have no time for the one who replaces. And this is what we see here in this word, uh, in, the, in this passage, because the servant of the Lord, the one of which it is spoken here, he comes and he doesn't strike the eyes of flesh. He's not somebody that we expect like the Jews who were waiting the, the great one who would kick out the Romans, kick the Romans out of Palestine. No, not at all. And we despise him. We put him on the side. He's, he doesn't fit with our uh, schemes uh, as men. We prefer to take our own salvation. You know, the, 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 the image of, of the, uh, the father, for instance, or maybe the, the master at work, and uh, he has his apprentice next to And the apprentice is not really skilled yet. This is why he's an apprentice. And this is why he's there. And after a while, uh, maybe the master runs out of uh, patience and he says, Oh, come on, let me do it. And uh, very often, by nature, we're tempted to be like this. Oh, get him a... Just push. Yeah, I'll do it. Let, let me see. Let, let me do it. I can do it better than that. And yet, and yet, there is no salvation, according to the word of God, apart from that one who replaces, that substitute. No one comes to the Father but by me. And we say amen. And yet we try to do something. Or to be somebody. No the one who replaces my friends is irreplaceable. irreplaceable. We cannot do without him. So let's look uh, at this substitution. And uh, firstly we could see that substitution is made necessary because of sinfulness. Like yesterday. Uh, I mentioned that so few people are saved because they're not lost in their own eyes. So here, substitution is made necessary by sinfulness. And again, this is where natural man and religious man uh, are, are, are getting lost because neither of them think that really they are in the state in which the word of God says they are. Oh yes, um, you say, are you a sinner? Well, I'm not perfect, as you know. But, and there's always a but, and there's always somebody in the street, or somebody at work which, who is worse. Which, in effect, is saying, well, I'm not really a sinner. No, 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 no. They don't believe. Man, natural man, religious man, doesn't think that the word of God says the truth. This is not the right description. And, uh, yes, sure enough, sure enough, uh, man is in a, in a bad state. Things are not exactly what they should be, and they're, they're pretty, uh, in a pretty sorry state. But, uh, going to say that uh, the sinfulness is total, that's going a little far, isn't it? A little far. No, that, that's being uh, a bit too, uh, too drastic, 
No. Um, and this is a step which natural man and man in his religion, which is natural man, refuses to take. And uh, in one way or another, someday he will manage to save himself. And uh, you just need to give him time. Just need to give him time. He's not done it so far, but one day this will happen. And because man keeps some hope to save himself, is without hope, in total despair. Total despair. And it would be a very interesting study to take all the religious handbooks or the, uh, the books of all the religions and to see that everyone, without exception, teach that one needs to do something to reach the deity. Something. It may be uh, five pillars. It may be a, a million years of reincarnation. It may be a lot of good works. It may be um, understanding grace with my brains. But there's something I must do in order to get hold of that promise. And yet, there's nothing at all to do, as we've heard. No. The Bible is saying exactly the opposite. What does it say? Isaiah said it in the first chapter of his, uh, of his uh, prophecy. Verse cha first chapter, verse 6. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been that they have not been closed or bound up and so or soothed with ointment. No hope. It's totally, totally spoiled. This is the verdict of the word of God, and we've seen that enough yesterday. And Romans says the same thing. There is not one. And just in case you don't get the no one, no, not even one. And then we could go through the whole Bible. It would, uh, really, we could be here for a long time. For a long time. To find verses which clearly in our face tell us this. But our heart, our natural heart, is saying the opposite. And uh, we, we've seen in uh, our previous uh, uh, study that uh, man is, uh, has lost his way. He's going here, there, and everywhere, but he doesn't know. And more than that, his state plunges him into isolation, total isolation, with regard to the possibility to be saved. He cannot find his way. Even the most clever. Once uh, I was in the car back home and uh, there was a, a philosopher. There's some of them in, in my country. And he was interviewed on the, on the radio. And uh, I, I can't listen carefully because he said, well, no, man is totally unable to do anything to make things better. 
I thought, that's strange coming from these people. This guy is going to get a lot of flack somewhere. And uh, so it went on like this, and then the, uh, the guy who was interviewing him in the end said, so what have we got to do? What is the solution, he rather said. And the guy said, well, we've got to uh, try to work better. There's no hope in man. No hope at all. No. His, uh, his state prevents him from even coming to salvation. Because there's no way. Absolutely no way. He cannot understand the value of the salvation which God gives. And we see this in this chapter. You just read it. It's marvelous. The Lord sends someone. And this one will be the one. He will take the brunt of the the, the wrath of God. He will actually be condemned. He will be separated, cursed. And yet, and it is because, I mean, for others. And no, even the greatest brains on this earth cannot grasp that. Why? Because of sinfulness. Because of sinfulness. Again, as we said yesterday, man measures with the wrong yardstick. And therefore, the one who is sent to him, this Savior, he doesn't have any attraction. There's no beauty in him. We cannot esteem him. He's, he's got nothing which really uh, attracts the, uh, our eyes and our, our, our interest. No, not at all. And man is so lost. You, my friend, if you are not in Christ tonight, if you do not have this freedom from sin, you are in a total, totally despairing position. There is no way. Absolutely not. But you need somebody, that somebody comes from outside. You know, the whole history of, of mankind. You will not find one slave freeing himself. It has to come from outside. Centuries ago, you had slaves rebelling in places, even in the Roman Empire. But I'm thinking, for instance, Haiti. They're very big on their, on their emancipation over there. Where it's brought them, we don't know. But Well, we do know, you see. But no, it had to be a movement somewhere in Europe which started to go over to a certain point. And in God's uh, purpose or in God's calendar, then they were free. And it's the same with the slavery of sin. No slave will be able to free himself. It's got to come from outside. And here we have this, this one who comes, the substitute. Now let's look at him for a moment. And I'm sure that, I'm very conscious that uh, for most of you, this is kind of recap. This is a sort of, uh, yes, I've heard it before. But we need it. We need it constantly. The substitute, my friends, is a man. He's a man here, the man of sorrows. But he's a man. And it is very important to underline this. Because... Many people today, both in the religious world and in the secular world, will find a replacement 
in ideas, in concept, in things. Somebody will surround himself with wealth and with uh, bodyguards and all these sort of things in order to have security. Others, they will study and they will come with all sorts of very uh, smart ideas that nobody understands in order to make themselves different. And I'm very, I've been very interested uh, dealing with books and publishing books that uh, today a lot of books talk about God but not Christ. I remember one book coming my way and a friend of mine said, uh, oh, maybe you'll be interested in publishing that in French. And the book came and we just wasted postage because it said, God is the gospel. That sounds so cute, isn't it? No, God is not the gospel. Christ is the gospel, even for God. And uh, I believe that Christ is God. But as Christ, is, he has a mission which is more than that. No, I do good, and therefore God um, has an account with me. He's got to do something for me, because my actions, my good works, are a replacement for my bad works. And then somehow we'll manage to um, balance it. No, my friends, this is a very great lie. Very great lie. No. In the Old Testament itself, there were already sacrifices. And these sacrifices were offered according to the instructions of God himself. And therefore, every morning, every evening, every day of the year except one, there will be uh, the offering of an animal. But the, the blood of an animal cannot, cannot replace, cannot count for a man. I, I, have said, I may have said it here before, and she will kick me for that, but my wife said that when one of us uh, dies, she will take a dog. She will really hate me. Uh, I'm sorry for the dog. <laughs> You see, she may, she may, find the, she may get the, the, the best dog there is in the whole world, but that's no replacement. The dog won't do the washing up. <laughs> you see, a, a, a lamb, however pure and innocent and perfect can he be, will not atone for a man. This is not the same blood. This is not the same blood. Not at all. No, you need man. And this was precisely why they had to offer a lamb morning, evening, each day of the year, except one, when they offered something else, which was the day of the atonement, precisely. They had to repeat it. Why? Because that blood could not take away sin. That blood was only pointing towards one who would take away sin and who has take away, taken away sin. So he is a man. He is a man. And this is what we need. This is what I need. Same blood. Same blood. Here we see the, the one who replaces and he is sent by God. Christ, the Messiah, is sent by God and he is a man. He, he has come as a, as a tender plant. Um, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and a, as a root out of dry ground. Uh, 
Don't you feel dry? Dry? Humanity fallen into sin is dry, cannot produce anything. And is of the same flesh apart from sin. Here is somebody who can really take my place. My place. And no, nothing else, nobody else can do it. He is a man of sorrows as well. In all this passage, we see a, a substitute who comes as a man who is a man who is suffering. He's broken, he's smitten, he's crushed. And we have all these uh, uh, pictures in the Old Testament of what he was going to undergo. Here is one who comes like this. Uh, actually, this very passage or this very section, we call it the, the uh, hymn of the suffering servant. And this is uh, here that we see the great wisdom of God and the terrible condition of man. It is exactly the man that is needed. And it, this is exactly the man who is needed because our condition is without hope. Without hope. And we should, I mean, this should uh, make our heart leap into gratitude, into praises. I mean, we had this word, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is such a beautiful word. Do you know how we say hallelujah in French? Hallelujah. <laughs> and maybe I should ask Brother Marcus, how do you say that in Italian? I know that. Hallelujah. Well, I wanted to check it. So I asked my friends in Africa, several languages, Lingala, Fon, and several others, hallelujah. Well, I thought, I need to go further than that. We have a friend who's Chinese. So uh, I got onto Messenger and said, how do you say uh, hallelujah in Chinese? So the kind of nice drawings came on my screen. I said, no, no, I want to hear it. So I had a, the audio, hallelujah. My friends, when we'll be in heaven, there won't be any difference. It'll be that word, that word. Beautiful word. Many people are ready to acknowledge that something is wrong with man. He's in a bad state. And uh, many people are ready to be sad about it and uh, to feel guilty about it. Some will accept that... Uh, uh, this sort of sorry state uh, will bring suffering. Yes, I'm, I've messed it up. I need to suffer for that. But in one way or another, this remorse, this sadness, these, uh, this suffering kind of bear in themselves some kind of merit. I need to suffer because like this I'm doing something. Isn't our condition really twisted? Man uh, decrees that what he does will gain some right for him to receive forgiveness. Frankly, after all I've done, and this happens to me, this is exactly this. 
I have served you, therefore I deserve to be given something, to be given salvation. And yet, in this substitute, it is not a sinner who suffers. Not at all. He is uh, broken, he's crushed, but not for his sins. The Bible is so clear that it needs total blindness to say that. No, it is not, as it says in our passage, not his suffering. He suffers, yes, but for what? For the sins, for the transgressions of another, of others, because he has no sin. He is a substitute and he is a perfect substitute. There's nothing in him that deserves what he undergoes. Nothing whatsoever. And if ever you hear somebody saying that, run away. Run away. This is a lie. This is a lie. Now let's look at, at, for a moment, at the wonderful wisdom of God. Because we see this here. The wonderful wisdom of God. The substitute whom God has sent is not any old substitute. He's not somebody just like this. No, no. Somebody can take the place of another because he's full of great zeal. Uh, This morning I heard that uh, a dear brother was unable to go to Africa. Well, having been to Africa and having all my shots and so on, my first reaction was, uh, I, I could replace him. Say, full of zeal. This is possible to do that. Uh, but then in the end, uh, the one who's replacing actually ends up showing that he's really not able to replace. And uh, he fails. He fails. But this is not the case with the, re- the one who replaces who is sent by God, the servant of, of the Lord. No. Um, if, if you go back to uh, chapter 52, verse 13, um, it says, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled. But that expression, deal prudently, I, I don't know what it is in your version. Maybe it's prosper. Is it? Okay. Oh, you've got your Bible shut? Dear, dear, what's that? (laughs) I should have warned you. (laughs) I don't know what this is saying. But anyway, the, the real translation for that expression is, he shall prosper. That is, he will do it. He will do it. It will prosper. And we find this word, this, this expression, in several other places. And uh, if you put all this together, you can see that this Savior comes in all wisdom. In all wisdom. It's not sort of, maybe he's going to win. Maybe he's going to do what he's sent to do. No, he knows exactly how to come to his goal. And you remember when he was walking on that road and uh, he set his face toward Jerusalem. And from eternity he had set his face, but there, that was the last stretch. And he went before the disciples. And if you go to um, the other uh, gospel, I can't remember if it's Luke or Mark, but uh, it says the disciples didn't dare ask him anything. 
his face must have changed. You know, he was going to go there and he was going to go through with it. No, he's exactly the one who will get to the goal, to the finishing line. He will win the day. And today we have got this wonderful uh, opportunity, this wonderful advantage that with the light of God on his word, we see that he has won the day. He has won the day. God has given him a mission. And he's given him everything he needs to, to accomplish that mission. And then we see him stretch on that cross. That terrible, terrible time. I would say that terrible, wonderful time. Yeah. It is finished. Finished. And you know, you add something to 100%, you diminish 100%. I still say that I need to find somebody who's good at maths to see what adding 1% to 100%, what the 100% becomes. But it's not 100% anymore. So if it is finished and I add, I diminish Christ. No, he has finished. He will prosper. He will prosper. And uh, everything that is needed for that mission is given him. He needs the Holy Spirit. There it is. Without measure. Without measure. No, he's, he's a man, and therefore he can take the place of men. He's without sin. Without sin. Therefore, he doesn't have to undergo chastisement. He doesn't have to undergo uh, punishment because of his own sin, his own transgressions. There's none. We, we cannot grasp that. We say it, but frankly, we've never known one second in our life when we do not have sin, transgression. No, he is a true sacrifice, not the one which is trying to do something, but he is taking it all upon himself. And uh, as a guilty man, as a sheep, he doesn't open his mouth. He's sent to the slaughter. But he won't open his mouth. Why? Because that's his mission. His mission. When he says, oh, if that cup can pass away from me. And uh, we're tempted to say, no. No. Because if it passes away from him, we get the full brunt of it. Right to the last drop. No. If it was possible. No, not at all. May it not be possible. And it is not possible. Not at all. No, we see here the great wisdom of God. This sin which brings his wrath. Because God is just, my friend. And sin is unjust. Injustice is a lack of justice. It's something which is twisted. And the wrath must come down on the one who is a sinful person. And it does it on the one who takes a place. On this replacement. The one on whom. Uh, who is by himself. Pure. And that wrath comes down. And it is death. But he is such a man. A man who is God. And therefore he can, comes back to, he can come back to life. Which we can't do. Those who are 
trying to save themselves with their efforts and then end up to the place of real death, they can't come back. Can't come back. But this one has come back. He comes back to life. And therefore, all those for whom he's taken, of whom he's taken the place, they come back to life. God can give life. He sent his spirit, the spirit of life, who blows and gives power to the word of life. And this is why it's so important that the life of the one who is full of life must show that life. His work doesn't go along the uh, criteria, human criteria. Not at all. He has no beauty. He, has, he, he doesn't strike the, the eyes. No, he's only there to accomplish the purpose of God. Not to strike the eyes of men. Men want somebody strong, a, a big name, somebody who's got charisma, somebody who's got a, a presence. Don't like this word charisma in that sense. See? No, that's not the man of God. The man of God, he comes to obey God's purpose. God's purpose. And he is just there for that. And therefore, he opens the door for a people who will glorify God. You know what it is? These, uh, these big, uh, well, in French we call them high mass. This sort of big jamboree convention or whatever. And people preach. And what they preach may be right. But there's another message which is given you have a, all around, it makes the, 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 the man who stands be big. Uh, no one man, if you just uh, see him on these videos, you think he's six foot six. And yet he's a, a, a very small guy. <laughs> but you only see him. And by seeing him, he's a, and, unwittingly, he's a screen to that message. Not so, not so with, God, with, with the, the one sent by God. You don't esteem him. You don't see him. Nobody understands him. He stays on his own. Even his dearest, his closest, run away from him. The one who said, I will stay with you. What does he do? In front of a young lady, he trembles like a, like a coward. Why? Because Christ must be alone. Nobody, nobody can come into that salvation because as soon as you bring sin in whatever form, lack of perfection into that salvation, it's like bring, bringing a, a, a needle near one of these balloons. There's nothing left. Nothing left. No, he must tread that press alone. Alone. Why? Because he's without sin. He's without sin. Oh, what a, what a savior. No. But now the consequence is to finish. Because again, again, this is really my, my point. All these things are true. But how do they impact me? How do they impact the people of God? And uh, there are several orders and several levels. First of all, I cease from works. I cease from works. If God has provided a substitute, somebody who takes the place and does the work... What have I got to do still? Nothing. I can't even quench his wrath because it is quenched. 
Nothing to do. No. And it's not that we're just saying, oh, you know, okay, it's a sort of consumer uh, attitude. Oh, somebody will do it for me. No. Somebody has done it, which is quite different. No, the substitute gives rest to those who profit from his work. And therefore, my life cannot be the same. Visibly. Why? Because he has done it and he gives me rest. He gives me rest. I benefit from his work and therefore there is now no more condemnation for those that are in Christ. Are you in Christ and there's still a bit of condemnation you need to to clear? No. No. Not at all. No. And it is indeed easy to go astray at that point. We know the truth. But the truth doesn't impact our life as it should. Again, the answer is not in doing all my efforts. The answer is coming back to this full union with Christ. This full life of Christ without um, relying on my understanding of the ways of God. No. I want to know, but I don't rely on what I know. No, it is his life. And uh, often, unconsciously, I still try to win a better status with God. Something which will assure me more that I'm safe. And that is a lie, my friends, because if I can be sure by something else than faith that I'm saved, I don't depend on grace anymore. I don't. So, see, these little innocuous looking little errors are actually very, very deep. And we need to watch for them. Another consequence, fear is banished. There is no more fear. There's no more fear. What can men do to me? The devil himself has a lot of fuel in me. It's got a lot of things to make a, a good bonfire. And uh, every day I bring more in my, in my stupidity. What can I do to justify myself? What can I do to defend myself and prevent him from plunging me in perdition? What? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. He can play with me not as he wish, but as he's able, as he's uh, allowed to. But he can play with me. Uh, like Luther said, he's, he has not his equal here below. Not at all. No, we're no match. Some, some people in their arrogance, and I've said it and you've said it, say, oh, Satan has attacked me. <laughs> Satan has attacked me. I mean, he just sends the, 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 the most junior little demon and we, I mean, often we trip by ourselves. No, my friend, no, we don't have to. Why? Because it is God who justifies. I don't have to justify myself. More, moreover, moreover, He has what He demands 
to be at peace. He has it. He's received it already. What can I add more? Christ died. And God, is, God has received it. Uh, am I going to lack anything? No, not at all. Because him who has given us his own son, will he not give everything with him? Everything I need, he will give. And if he doesn't give it, I don't need it. I don't need it. No, there, there's no, no fear of that. Uh, the, the, the fear of the future really brings a terrible tyranny, doesn't it? No, he has given his son. Will he not give all things with him? And he does. He does. If you, if you are in Christ, you look at your, at your pilgrimage and look, has he not given it to you? He has. Way above. Way above what you can imagine. Now, another consequence is, if substitution is at the heart of the gospel, and the gospel, it will be at the heart of my message. I'm not going to spend my time now trying to push others to live in the correct way, as, it sh- as we should, so that everything is decent. No, not at all. We're not looking, I'm not looking for morality. Not at all. No. Sinfulness is total. And it, it, it radiates in us. And it touches everything. Even the parts we don't know exist. Yet. It goes through that. So, yet, where there is no hope, God has come in his grace and he has done what was to be done. I don't have to try to be correct. He's done the correct work. The work which satisfies him, as we will see later. His, uh, his substitute has dealt with it. And now there's nothing else to do. Nothing else. And this is a, this is a heart of my message. My eyes, my message will be centered on this substitute. You have Peter stands up at Pentecost. I mean the day when there was the greatest, uh, if we may say, or maybe the most concentrated uh, manifestation of the presence of the Spirit. And today we know what that would generate. Peter starts preaching. And it looks as though he's kind of not at ease until he can bring the substitute. This is the one of whom it is spoken. This is the one. It's got to be at the center. I know, if I look at substitution, I know that no one, whoever that person is, whatever the horror or the dirt of his state is, whatever his despair about his situation, no one is beyond the reach of God. Why? Because God has sent someone to replace, to take the place. So no one is out of this reach. No. It is only the application of the virtues of this substitute can purify the heart. And that will impact my message. This will impact my life. 
Or, that means I don't believe it. Or that means I don't live it. It's not in me. So therefore, I will speak, I will declare this great work. And this great work empties all our works. All our works. For salvation. No. Another consequence is that I cannot compromise the gospel anymore. It's not kind of half and half. That's to put in a coffee. No. He's done it all. And if somebody wants to have a share like this, I cannot accept that. Why? Because otherwise it is not substitution. Imagine, imagine on the final of the world, the world Cup for soccer that there will be suddenly there will be 13, 14 men on one side. I mean, that's foul play, isn't it? No. If the substitute comes onto, onto the, the, the pitch, the other one comes out. And uh, I cannot compromise. Not at all. No. If I've seen this truth, nothing else will do. Nothing else will do. And then the last consequence I can bring tonight, the time is going by quickly, is that it leads to a burning, living, vibrant worship of God. Union with God. And nothing will satisfy the heart which is touched touched by the virtue of the substitute. Nothing will satisfy that heart apart from that. Apart from that. And of course, all of us, we've got to hang our head in shame. Because it is not as it should be with us. And this is why we've come back to this word and we dig into this word and we search that word. We ask questions to that word. What is it really? Who is he? What has he done? Why? Because my life needs to really proclaim him, needs to show him. And I'm far from that. And I come to this word and God is pleased to send his spirit again and again and again. And you are there. Say, oh, this is what it means. Oh, And there's humility, there's thankfulness, and there's transformation. Transformation. Let's, let us, let's not the religious people rob us of the fact that the life of Christ is different. It's different. We don't win points. No, rather the opposite. The one who grows in Christ sees himself worse and worse. He's not worse and worse. No, his life is cleaned up quite good sometimes. But he doesn't see it. Why? Because the Spirit opens his eyes, puts more light. The Word of God informs him more and more how Christ, how God is so pure and great and beyond imagination. And it shows him how puny, how twisted, how feeble he himself is. And that is growth in Christ. That is growth in Christ. And it actually makes the world better. This is the salt of the earth. Oh, my friends, 
We could go on. We could go on. I could go on. You don't want me to. He's so beautiful. Isn't he? So beautiful. He's taken the place. You imagine, you know, translate that into your own life. Somebody's preferred to you at work, in your family, whatever. And that war beginning to boil inside you. And he, I mean, you could commit murder for that. Imagine him. He's got it all by right. And yet, what does he do? Stands up from his throne, takes his glory, puts it on the side. And what is normal for us is humiliation for him. He becomes a man. We don't think of being human as a humiliation. It was for him. It was for him. And then he went right to, the, to death. Not any death. The death of the cross. Being separated from God. So that his people, those loved from everlasting, these people may never be anymore separated from God. Oh, such a love. Such a love. Sinfulness. Substitution. God's answer. Doesn't your heart leap? Mind us by God's grace. May be glorified. Amen.